What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, John Morant's, Joe Johnson's, Jaw Raffs, of course. We've got Jays. We got him for days. Josh, how you doing? You reading this stuff about what the NIT has done? Dude, yes. And I, I can't stand it. So now we have zero reward for winning regular season conference championships. Doesn't even guarantee you a spot in the NIT. Like actually zero. Yeah. Like I'm not totally sure why. Like I know that we're in full what's the point of conferences mode with these massive conferences on the college football side of things and really like to a certain extent on the basketball side of things too. But it is – and then, of course, today the uh, Dan Gavitt basically said, oh, yeah, it's because we're trying to still make money off the NIT. It's basically what he said. Yeah, and trying to – Fox apparently has some thing they're working on that's going to bring a bunch of – that they're trying to fend off that. And yeah. I, I understand financially why they did it. But it's just infuriating. The way they did it is infuriating. The other part of this too is because we can sit here and bemoan it all we want. You know, this is the good world word. we live in now. That's a good word. Bemoan. Thank sure. you. Football, at least you can kind of get it because when Cincinnati, for example, makes the playoff, nobody thinks Cincinnati's actually going to win a game. Right? Mm-hmm. If they go undefeated, you got to put them in there, but nobody thinks they're going to win. Right. This is getting into soccer, you know, European Super League mode for me where these teams that are getting invited are not better than the regular season champions. When you talk about the mountain West, the WCC, now those teams are probably going to get into the NCAA tournament conference Mm -hmm. USA. You go down the list. It's not, you are giving preferential treatment to teams that are worse than others. Yes. Yes. There is a meritocracy issue here. That is larger than just trying to cater to the high major conferences. It is fundamentally rewarding bad basketball, which is the saddest part of all of this for me. It is it is the inverse of sport yes. at its very core. Exactly. Yep. Sport at its very core is recognition for the teams that play the best. Yes. Right. And what you just did with the NIT which is the best of the rest, right? Is it's just the rest. It's the most popular of the rest at this point. Yes. And, and my other oh. And I also like I is it just be like I would I would love for you to find me somebody who actually wants to watch a bad Georgetown team play rather than a really good mid-major team. Like an like a college because because a college like there are no non college basketball fans that are stumbling upon the NIT zero mm-hmm. so so either keep the nit pure true to what it's always been or just don't do it because that would be the second best option because it's not like any it's not like anybody's gonna go and stumble upon and the other part of this is like some of those high major teams aren't gonna like they're not gonna want to play in the nit yes north carolina didn't play in the nit last year not because they didn't qualify not because they weren't invited, but because it's embarrassing for a program like North Carolina 
to play in the NIT. It's it, like it's the second, it, it's the worst of the options when it comes to what to do with the NIT, in my opinion. The two parts to that one, the, the numbers will still tell you people want to watch bad high majors from I'm a sure standpoint. I'm and sure they will. That's where you and I are the minority of, I have no, right, I have no interest in watching these teams, which is generally why I don't pay much attention to the NIT. But the, the fans of those programs will still watch is what the, the ratings tell you. And the second part is exactly what you said. The other sad part about this is the teams who actually want to be there are the teams that are getting screwed. Yeah. Because, and maybe certain, if Georgetown makes the NIT this year, okay, that that's something to be excited about because they've struggled so much, right? It can be a sign to progression and kind of a springboard to get you Right. How many times do we talk about, oh, this team made this the final four of the NIT or played the NIT championship game, and then all of a sudden the next season they had a really good year and made the NCAA tournament? But that's the thing. They could make the NIT this year now and not be that much better than they were. Right. right. You could you could be like DePaul and Butler down there at the bottom yeah. of the Big East. Georgetown could finish ninth and be bad, but they, yes. they could get in because – there were seven teams from the Big East that got in. So by default, eight and nine right. in the Big East get in. Right. And Georgetown could still be horrible, and that'd still be the case. Yes, right. So it's not even – so getting into it doesn't mean as much anymore either. Right. And Yeah, the other part is just I feel for these teams that are genuinely excited about the opportunity to compete against those teams. Yes. And prove that they are right there with the the bubble teams – that right because that's always the conversation of the high major teams that didn't get in because they had all these losses can the mid majors and how do you balance those two things the nit is supposed to help with that and now who knows what we're going to get because it's just a mess they said today that they are like I, i'm i'm also just worried that we're not far away from really messing with the integrity of the ncaa tournament the the that we're going to lean even further into things like the first four, not because the first four is actually awesome, but so that means that instead of just Michigan state getting into the tournament as an 11 seed, Michigan state and UCLA get into the tournament as as an 11 Mm -hmm. seed, which I like, I already am not that big of a fan of the first four, like 64 is plenty, but I, it just like, I don't, I don't care if the ratings are better for, the bad mid-major for the bad high major team i don't care that's not the point of right the that's not the point of the tournament right i'm right there with you it's just showing you how far money goes right drives me crazy drives me crazy uh the the very very last podcast of the preseason very last we did it how about that it's been a it's been a 12-week marathon uh, all the way to the doorstep of the college basketball season. If you missed our podcast from earlier this week, five bold predictions from Josh and I. There were some not so bold ones. There were some spicy ones. If you missed that, then uh, go back and watch that. It's in our YouTube channel as well as our podcast feed. So if you want to go back and see that one, today is all about awards. We're going to run through uh, several things awards and uh, looking at the NCAA tournament. Actually, we're going to start. On the award side of things with uh, a a national player of the year and uh, first team All-Americans, then we'll go to uh, the NCAA tournament, talk number one seeds, final four, 
and of course, a national champion. Josh, have I missed anything? No. I will say I've saved a bold prediction for this. this wow. Podcast. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm into that. A little bonus, little bonus prediction. I like it. Um, so in theory, your national player of the year will be a first team all American. Is that a that, fair thing? That that would be an accurate assessment. So that would mean that it would make sense for us to talk about our national player of the year before revealing the rest of first team all America. Oh. Yeah, that works. Cool. It can kind of function as number one on our first team all America, yeah. mm -hmm. but I feel like you could give the five and then we just circle back to one of the five. Yeah. So we yeah. might as well just start with the national player of the year and then add the four guys that will join him on our predictions for first team all America. Is that fair? Mr. Dory, Natty Poy, 2023-24. This is a very big deal. Um, who, who gets the nod from 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 uh, you ahead of the season? Zach Eady. I wrote the words. Dude I, dude, I can't believe that. You, you Did you look off my paper or something? I mean, I'm going to say this is, uh, I guess it's not technically public domain, uh -huh. but something in that ballpark. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. What's the what's the phrase I'm looking for? Common well, common you know sense. No, it? not common sense, but the it's too popular for anybody to claim it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's That's like trying bad. to trademark the word the or something. Yes, like exactly. Yes. Uh this is the correct answer. Um it's hard to believe if Zach Eady is healthy for the entire season that there's a world in which somebody puts together a better individual season on a team that is as good or better than, than Purdue. Um, this is, this is almost, is this easier than Luca Garza? Cause I feel like yeah. this, like it was pretty easy when Luca Garza came back for the year, his, his year after winning national player of the year. Mm -hmm. I feel like, like for me, this might even be easier. Yeah. But it's in the same ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was just so dominant. Nobody had figured him out. He's going to be dominant again. And the only thing that might, you know, very rarely does a national player of the year come back and his team is projected to not be that good. And I just, as long as he's healthy, produce ceiling is, uh, produce floor is incredibly high. And they should be competing for a Big Ten regular season title, being in the conversation top five teams in the country all year. Um, I it, it's hard to it's hard to get to a point where it's not Zach Eady. Yeah, I have nothing else to say. You're not allowed to pick Zach Eady. Who are you picking? Oh my! <laughs> wait, uh, that might not be fair. Wait, that not wait. I, I, scratch that. Don't do. I mean, unless we want to lean, just go ahead and lean into our first team. All I, I have an answer for you. Okay, Kyle Filipowski. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think it's just another big man. Although LJ Cryer is pretty high on that list. Love that. Love that. Okay. Get that out of the way. Zach Eady moving on. Josh doesn't want to spend any more time on the National Player of the Year. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, leaning into the first team All-America preseason. Zach Eady's on your list. Where would you like to go next? Kyle Filipowski, also on my list. He is also on my list. I buy this Duke team. He's one of the best returning players in the country. They should be even better. 
he should be even better. And as we kind of talked about last podcast, the idea of somebody this established coming back as opposed to another player that we will talk about at some point, you know already he is capable of handling this kind of responsibility and he's going to have the team to back it up. I don't see another player with that I'm that confident in outside of Edie. Mm-hmm. The production and the team success part of it, the way I feel about Filipowski. Filipowski is on my team as well. Armando Baycott is not. I'm guessing he's not on yours either. No. My question to you is, you played this season that we're about to play 10 times. How many times is Baycott the best player in the ACC? One or two. Okay. Not because of Baycott. I'm just not convinced Baycott is going to, the team, North Carolina is going to play and be structured in a way that lets Baycott be a first team All-American. Okay. There's part of me that thinks he's better equipped to do it this year than he was last year. I would also agree with that because they're going to be much better. And they just won't. Like it's like RJ Davis will always be a score first guard. That's also just, I just think you might end up with, with Armando having a lot of easy points and him having to spend less time going like four or five minutes without really being part of the offense because it's, you know, the Caleb Love show for mm-hmm. for for you know, would, a four minute stretch. I would agree with I, that. I, I I don't think it's likely in any stretch. Um I think he is a preseason AP All American. Baycott is, if I'm remembering correctly. But to me it's a style thing. Sure. That if you're still playing with the two bigs and Roy Williams, absolutely. Mm. I want to see what this looks like before I jump in on his production being what it needs to be in order to make this team. So last year he was 50, he was 16 and 10 last year. What does he have to be this year to be a number to be a preseason all American or sorry, to be a first team all American 18 and 11. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty close last season, even though he didn't have a very remarkable. Yeah. His team wasn't good enough for him. Yeah. To he quietly put up really good numbers. I just think he gets lost in that team a little bit because of how guard centric and how perimeter oriented they're becoming. I think you're probably right. I just think it's an interesting conversation. If he was at Kansas, for example, different story. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I also have Kyle Filipowski on my first team all America. Do you have more bigs? You better have more bigs. Okay. Who's next? Well, I, I tried to not put, you know, four of them on here. I so put I have, four of them on there. Okay. Yeah. So I have one more. Okay. And here's the bold part. It's Donovan Klingon. Interesting. Okay. I, I My theory is either Kansas is not going to be quite as good. Now, they can't be better than expectations because they are literally the number one team in the country. Right. But I did, one of my bold predictions was they don't get a one seed. I just see a world in which it doesn't work as well as everybody thinks. And so, and also it's not like Hunter Dickinson is the only really good player on that team. No. So I, 
I see a world in which he's more of a second or third team All-American kind of guy. Baycott, I just laid out my concerns with. The concern with Klingon is he hasn't done this before. Mm. But also Zach Eady hadn't done this, and now we're just saying there's no point in having to have a conversation. Not that Klingon is Eady, but he, if he is half as efficient as he was last season, and Eady proved it is possible to be relatively consistent with your efficiency as your num as your minutes go up. I mean, the numbers are going to be stupid. And he's also going to be something defensively that none of these other guys are. That's, that's my ultimate justification. Um, there is another guy that will be defensively. Every he bit. was the other one I was thinking every, about. every bit of what Donovan Klingon is, if not, better yes um which is why ryan kalkbrenner is on my first team he would have been my other choice i was going back and forth between him and Klingon. um i'm all in on creighton you know this about me i think that maybe ryan kalkbrenner is the biggest player of the year and i think the guy who wins that award will be a first team all-american so now to tip my hand a little bit the other guy who's the preseason big east player of the year is also on my first team All-America. Me too. So, so uh, Tyler Kolick, I think, will be there whether he wins Big East Player of the Year or not because I think he's the best point guard in the country. But I also think that Ryan Cockburner is just going to be an absolute monster this year. It was it was 16-6-2 and two last year, and that's with a uh, disruptive uh, time-off injury in the middle of it. Um, I'm thinking... I'm thinking double-double type area, two and a half blocks. Creighton wins the Big East, and Ryan Cockburn is our first-team All-American. I think the problem he might have is that a lot of what he does so well doesn't actually show up in the stat sheet. You might be right. Because I will, I'm pretty confident he'll be a more valuable player than Klingon. But Klingon's going to probably block, what, four shots a game? Yeah, I also think that the perimeter defense for Creighton is not going to be great, and that's actually going to play into the statistics of Kalkbrenner. I just think there are going to be more block shots off or block shot opportunities. Even, even that's probably true. Even then, though, he's not a prolific shot blocker the way that Klingon is, right? He is an elite rim protector, and there is a difference. Sure. That I, I just feel, I will probably sit here and say on the all-important team, at the end when we do that, Kulkbrenner is going to get that spot over Klingon. I do. I just think Klingon's going to have better pure numbers because he just makes things happen more where you have to appreciate some of the intricacies of the way that Kalkbrenner impacts shots, the way he makes people think differently, his ability to cover different positions, all of those kind of things that he is so good at don't necessarily show up as rebounds and blocks all the time. I also just think that Kalkbrenner's full stat line is going to be better than Klingon's. Okay. Yeah. Like Klingon might average more blocks. I think Kalkbrenner averages more points. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. If he does that, then he's probably going to certainly you've got a strong case to pick him over Clayton. I'll give you. And that. I also just think that Creighton will be better than UConn and that will be part of it. Sure. So I've got 
four. Yep. Five? I've got four. Cockbrenner, Filipowski, Edie, and Kolick. We, we should give Kolick a moment. Yes, please do. He's the only guard coming back where you just went, oh. They're, right, top five team preseason. Mm-hmm. He was phenomenal. They're going to be really good offensively again. He's going to have all the assists. Again, not a guy that you have to necessarily defend because I feel like him, probably Filipowski and Edie were the three you go. They're just, you have to put them there. Yeah. Whereas the other ones, you have some options in terms of, and maybe you feel that way about Dickinson, which is where I think we're going to differ on our last one because I don't have him. I'm assuming you do. I do have him. Yeah. So maybe those four, but then it gets interesting because you've got some choices to make. But Kolek to me was just a you write him in immediately, don't have to think about it. Yeah, the other the other, you know, you talk about top five preseason guards. I mean, your other options are guys like Dewan Harris, which doesn't jump off the page in the same way. Nope. I think you'd agree. Um, maybe a I mean, the the like Jeremy Roach has never really gotten to like that level. And like Tyrese Proctor might launch himself into that conversation. I think there are people talking about him like that, but I, I also am a firm believer in how people are talking about you preseason and really being important when it comes down to who is a first team all American at the end of the year, unless you're just out of this world. Good. Um, the other, I mean, and then you go to, you know, Tyrese Hunter. No, sorry. Tyson yep. Walker. Sorry. Oh, both of them. Sure, both of them. I don't think Tyrus Hunter is. But, but Tyson Walker, sorry, yep. um, would be another guy that you maybe consider maybe one of the Houston guys. I'm curious if one of those Houston guys is the guy that, that rounds out your team if it's not Hunter Dickinson. You'll have to wait and see. Well, I, I just gave you mine. Hunter Dickinson oh, yeah. is my last one. What are you What are you <laughs> making me wait for? <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say about him? I mean, not that you have to defend it. It's um, pretty obvious. He's no, got to do something to take himself off of the first team. I, would I think. Go that I think far. that's the. I think the. That's the. That's probably the best way to. To describe it, I mean, eighteen nine and two last year, number one team in the preseason. I think he'll probably like his numbers will probably be better than that just because of how established Bill Self is with getting, with with turning his his talented big men into college basketball stars. Um, I do think it's interesting because he's not, he's not David McCormack. He's not as a bookie. He has a much more polished offensive game than that. So I'm curious if it looks different, but all of these things are in our notches in the column as to why his numbers are probably going to be better than they were last year. And if Kansas, if he starts where he's starting and Kansas is the number one team and they finished the season fourth and they're in the conversation for big 12. Then I think to your, like you said, he's going to have to do something to get himself off the team rather than really earn his spot on it. If that makes any sense. My theory is if he is essentially the same player, he was at Michigan with Kansas's schedule, with the Big 12 being a little bit down this year, with adding new teams. Now, obviously, Houston helps, but mm-hmm. the other three are going to – we talked about that with our, our bold predictions podcast. We don't need to go into it now. If he's just the same player, I do think there's a world in which five 
guys and specifically three bigs end up ahead of him in the, the pecking order. If North Carolina is a top 10 team, Edie's going to be there. Filipowski's going to be there. If UConn is a top five, you can go down the list. Mm-hmm. If he takes a step forward and we look up in early December and go, oh, Bill Self is unlocked to something here. Mm-hmm. It's over. He's the first team All-American. You know, he's he's close to that being a thing. Mm-hmm. Do so. The other part of this, which is interesting, because you'll have an answer to the, to this question, at least in theory, is you know, there's no we're having no hesitations about putting four bigs on a first team All-American. So. Not I only do. is it well, no, no, no. Well, in oh, gen- gen- like at the general. end of the season, it's not oh. like it's not like first team all NBA where either Embiid or Jokic is mm-hmm. first team all mm-hmm. is first team all NBA, yeah, or all NBA first team, whatever. That that doesn't exist at the college level. So, and you'll have an answer to this. There's somebody who's like there's going to need to be a guard who has a better season than Dickinson. Yep. Because if if he is not good as good as you know, you can say Klingon you know, cling in Filipowski and, and Edie, but he's better than all the other options. He's still going to be on the team. So right, right. who, who is that guy that you have faith in having a better season? The guy who just beat him, Terrence Shannon. Interesting. Okay. I think he could be the guy that if Illinois is the 17th best team in the country, gets a four seed and is just in that second tier of the big 10, but he averages 20 points a game five assists. He might just be the guy this year that has the numbers and LJ Cryer could be this guy too. Right. But there's usually somebody that just has the numbers. You just go, they're clearly the best player on a really good team. No, they're not necessarily national title caliber, but you just got to kind of give them the spot because nobody else is performing the way they are from a pure stat standpoint in terms of scoring the basketball. And Tyler Kolick's not that guy either, right? Tyler mm-hmm. Kolick's going to get there because he's going to average something close to a double-double. Mm-hmm. But Shannon could be the guy that averages 22 points, kind of like Brandon Miller was last year. Yeah. So that's that. my mixing it up a little bit. Yeah, I was not – that's not the name I was expecting you to say. But it, uh, but I, I get it. I get it. I think anybody who is first-team all-power conference caliber – well, maybe not everybody – but there are two two guys on every all conference first team that are capable of having the type of season that gets you onto first team all america and i think he's one of them especially at the especially at the guard position or the wing perimeter position yeah and right the competition just isn't that stiff if you're going to get two of them in there which to your point not guaranteed but mm-hmm. or if Cole, marquette struggles for some reason i I really do kind of like his chances as a dog. Right. I like it. I like it. That's first team All America and the National Player of the Year. Anything else on individual accolades that you want to get to? No. NCAA tournament. You know, Josh, it is November first. We're kind of like the NCAA tournament is basically right around the corner, so <laughs> we need to start talking about it right now. Absolutely, bracketology. Let's get into all of it, but no, of course not actually, but we will do our best to nominate single out 
the four best resumes of the college basketball season and which four teams will make up the one line in uh, in the 2024 NCAA tournament. And then we'll go Final Four and National Champion. Starting with our number one seeds, Josh, did you designate a number one overall seed or do you just have four teams that you think will be on the one line? I've pretty much got them in order. Okay. I didn't necessarily think of it that way, but I'll keep them in my order. Okay. Please kick it off. Number one, Purdue. I also have Purdue. There you go. You'll be shocked to hear it. Yeah. Again, don't feel like it needs much explanation. You know, it's been like two years since Purdue lost a non-conference game. They've been undefeated heading into Big Ten play the last two years. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that helps too, is that they do a good job of increasing their stock, and then they just have to do enough in the Big Ten to keep it going. Yeah. Right, that was the story of last season, is it was never in doubt, even though when they did struggle a little bit, because they were still going to win the Big Ten regular season. Right, by three games or whatever. Right, and then did what they did at non-conference, and all of a sudden they've got a really, really good resume. Yeah. Number two, Duke. I also have the Blue Devils, the fighting John Shires in year two. I'm, I'm all in on this. They're going to be excited that Cooper Flag is coming next year. Mm. <laughs> but I, I'm i sold on this combination. I, and again, you know, there's not a lot of teams I'm looking at going, I have to pick them. So I'll, I'll take the team that I believe in that everybody else seems to agree is also one of the best three teams in the country on paper. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add about them? Not especially, not especially. I think Shire is was impressed in year one. I think he'll continue to figure it out. And as you know, an adage is old as time. Uh, guard play gets you there with me. And I guess that's a bigger conversation in the final four. But one seeds, I think their their guard play will be good on top of Filipowski and their and their incoming freshmen should be spectacular too. And that's the other nice thing is, too, you get the added bonus of those freshmen coming along, mm-hmm. right? You don't have the growing pains of last season where Filipowski and Proctor, and Filipowski in particular, had to be a key part of that team from day one. Right. All these guys are coming back. Now you just get to add them in, and if they become dynamic, fantastic. And if it takes them a little while, you're still in position to win the ACC. Yep. Number three, Marquette. Okay. To me, there has to be a Big East team here. You're right. There does have to be a Big East team here. And I have a guess as to who yours is. And this is where we just differed in our conference prediction and we just stuck with it. Yep. I, You could have picked any three, at least three of them. I would have narrowed it down to two. And the other one is going to be the one that, that you're going with. I just, I'll, I'll take the team that's done this before that did it last season and just bringing so much back as opposed to Creighton, who did add some pieces but also lost some pieces. And it's so close, though. I'm so excited for the top of the Big East. But I went with the Golden Eagles. Yeah, I I have Creighton because they think they'll be the Big East champ. And whoever the Big East champ is, I've, I think it'll be – I'll be really surprised if the Big East regular season champ isn't, uh, isn't a number one seed. 
Or maybe it's it's the team that has the better non-conference comes in second by game and wins the conference tournament or something. Right. right. Somebody with Big yeah. East champion next to their name in yeah. some fashion, I think will be a one seed. Yeah. Uh, I think Creighton has the most prolific unit in college basketball. Uh, <laughs> you I, love this offense. I love the offense. I think it's I think it's really I, Stephen Ashworth, Trey Alexander, Baylor Shireman, Big East year two. I didn't think he was great last year. I think he'll be better. And I just, I like I said, I think the best the best defensive player in college basketball is anchoring whatever shortcomings they have defensively because of of that offense. So, uh, be and I think it's well worth the compromise. So I think Crane's going to win the Big East, and as a result, will be number one seed. But the same the same uh, principle is there that somebody from the big East will be a number one seed yeah. this year. Number four. I went Kansas as did I, I, I just couldn't talk myself into anybody else. There wasn't another team where I went. I really, you know, it's going to be hard for the big East to get to. I don't necessarily think Michigan state is going to be great from the get go to the degree that you have to, to be a number one seed. And also I don't think they're going to win their conference. So that's a little bit of an issue as well. And I do think this spot is up for grabs. I'm I'm lower on Kansas than – I just don't think they're the consensus number one team in the country. And I know they're not consensus, but to me, they're more like the third best team in the country. So if a couple of things you – know, the Big 12 isn't quite as good. You struggle in non-conference with some of the really good games they're playing. Mm-hmm. I could easily see them slipping to five or six overall. But – I, I couldn't identify a team. And this is, I think, kind of your argument we were having with my bold prediction of Kansas not being a one seed was who is the team that is taking that spot from them? Mm-hmm. And I don't have a good enough answer now that it's not bold predictions, but our actual predictions to pick somebody else. Yeah, I. it might be cheating, but I think Kansas is the Big 12 champion and I think the Big 12 champion is going to be a one seed. So uh, kind of the same the same conversation there. Um, I think Kansas is really good too. I'm I'm definitely higher on Kansas than you are. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. I, I didn't have a hard time putting Kansas here. Yeah, certainly just a, yeah. I'm, there's, yeah, there's not much to say about that. They, they deserve one of these four spots. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, on my end, Purdue, Kansas, Duke, and Creighton is where we differ in terms of the Big East representative. And you have those same three teams in then. And then the Golden Eagles, the Fighting Shaka Smarts, the uh, Marquette Golden Eagles being that being that last or the fourth, not necessarily the last, but that other number one seed. Yep. If it wasn't Kansas, like who, like who, if you, who would you talk yourself into first? Creighton. Creighton. You think, you, you think that's the next option is two big East teams? Yeah. A world okay. in which one of them is the regular season champion. One of them has the better outside of regular season conference play sure. resume. And they're both so good that they're top five teams. Okay. I, I think, that's, I think that's what I would talk myself into first. Okay. Final four and national champion. Why do we do this? Why do we? Why because do we, we might get it right. 
Yeah, I guess you're and right. No I'm doubt. still talking about how I just, I picked Frank Mason the third to win yep. National Player of the Year. I guess exactly. that's right. I guess I guess that is we predict because we could be right. You're right. We we do the twelve leg parlay because it might hit. You're right. There you go. That is there's a there's some beautiful simplicity in that. Anyways, um, number one seeds uh, off the agenda. Final four next up. I guess we can start with: Are there any which which number one seeds of yours make their way into your final four? Purdue and Duke. Purdue and Duke. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, I only have one final four team. One one number one seed getting to the final four, and that is the Fighting Bill Selves, the Kansas Jayhawks. Really? Mm-hmm. I am stunned. We're gonna have to talk more about this. Okay. Right now? No, no, no. National. You're gonna, make, you're gonna you're gonna make me wait that time yes. too. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. So we have three of the four between us. I. Duke. It's the guards, and the idea that this is, and I know I had them as a one seed, but they have the, the highest floor where you feel good about where they're starting at because of all the talent they brought back, mm-hmm. and also the fact that they can get better over the season, in a way that maybe not. And that's kind of the theme with my final four to a certain degree. That if those freshmen come along, you're talking about something different by the time we get to March, a different team with more weapons, more headaches that you have to deal with. So yeah. that's part of my rationale there too, is they'll have the best path possible as a very high seed. And then they will, I think, be a significantly better basketball team by the end of the beginning. Yeah, if they are... If they've put together the resume to be a number one seed, that's hard to that's certainly hard to argue with, is that they're not really, really well equipped to make a to make a deep run. I think Kansas is has the best one through six in the country. I think that one through six, they have the you know, El Marco Jackson is the only kind of question mark. It seems like nobody has any doubts that he'll be really good and if he's not nick timberlake will come in and just shoot 42 yeah. percent from the three-point right. line he's another guy that if he turns into a star fantastic they don't need him to though i i don't think there's anybody else in the country that has four guys in their starting lineup that i have zero questions about i have zero questions about dewan harris i have zero questions about kevin mccullough jr he's probably one of the more underrated players in the country and he's he's pretty highly rated. I just think he, he impacts winning in a very, very real way. And I think there's, there's some potential for KJ Adams, Hunter Dickinson front court growing pains. I do think that That's might happen, but I also don't think that those growing pains will still be around by the time we get to March. That is my individual basis. I agree with you. My, one of my other concerns is, there's a lot of overlap in terms of the spaces offensively in particular that the two bigs occupy. I want to see how they play together before those concerns get eased. And I, yeah, I just have more questions than everybody else. They're going to be fantastic. I'm just not sure they're number one team in the country. Fantastic. And I'm not totally sold that. I mean, I, I think it's, 
if we get to a point where Bill Self has found two lineups that are really effective and one of them has Hunter Dickinson in it, one of them has KJ Adams, I don't, I I wouldn't bet on that happening. I think it's a possibility though. And if that happens, if you have two, if that's what they kind of stumble into or get to, maybe that maybe that's a bad thing that could also be a really oh yeah scary thing and if if kj adams is playing a lot of second mm-hmm. string big men all year because they found that the the best starting lineup is harris jackson and timberlake along with mcculler and and dickinson right. like that that could happen then uh and then you get you know guys like jamar mcdowell guys like johnny johnny furphy like if those guys hit some too, then that I think it maybe is even even more likely that that could that could be the case. But I I ultimately come down in the space of I just don't like I just don't think there need to be very big steps taken by by four of the five guys in Kansas's starting lineup, and there aren't very many. Like if you go down the list. Like I would like Tyrese Proctor to take a substantial step oh, yeah. forward. Um, I would like for the Purdue backcourt to be to show me that they're better, especially under pressure, than they were late last year. Um, you know, Michigan State, if they if they are if they are to hit their ceiling, it's going to be because some of those. Also, did you see Cohen Carr in in the exhibition game? My lord, is he athletic? It's ridiculous, but. Okay. Um, but that's, I think that's ultimately where I came down. And as you pointed out, there are six starters effectively on this team. Mm-hmm. So that is absolutely an option. Bill self has is just figure out the best five that fit together and leave the other one on the bench to yeah, kind of anchor the second unit. So that is, that is a way to mitigate the concern is maybe you just don't play them together that much. Um, I just mentioned them second in my final four is Michigan state. I have Michigan um, State as well. I I don't love it because when Michigan State has high expectations, they they dramatically fail set yep. expectations. So I don't love it, but they are super athletic. Um, that the backcourt depth is crazy. Um, I think that Xavier Booker is going to end up being one of the five best players on their team. I also think he's going to be able to not be like thrusted into it at a really high, because of Mati Sissoko, like he'll just be able to kind of coast in like Jeremy fears, Cohen Carr. They all get to do the same thing. They get to kind of get their feet wet. And then by the time we get to March, they have eight guys that are really, really good. And they have the guard play. They have the front court play um, to, to put it all together. Yep. This is, you are absolutely correct that this is going against the trends of this team actually delivering on expectations. Correct. I'm terrified. I mean, like, I hope MTSU doesn't make the tournament this year. That's all. <laughs> like, I'll be, I'll feel better if you could confirm to me that MTSU is not going to make the tournament. <laughs> but at the same time, this also has the formula for some of the Michigan State teams that did make the Final Four mm-hmm. in the sense that I don't think they're going to look like the fifth third fourth fifth best team in the country from day one mm. they're gonna take some right. lumps you saw it you saw it in their exhibition against tennessee 100 yep. i generally don't care at all about those but it is yeah but I, i've heard see i've heard people say that i've seen people say that and i agree 
but also Tennessee and Michigan State, you don't get that type of exhibition often. Like, right. like those who watch the game, like that felt like a mid-February yes. game. Like yes. that no. that building was rocking. Like, and it, there was emotion. Those guys were playing hard. So at the I, I agree with you, and rotations aren't as tight and that kind of thing, and guys aren't as seasoned, but uh I've been let's let's put it this way. I I haven't been completely writing off what i've seen in exhibitions yeah and, and they do have these high profile ones definitely had a different feel to them you're yeah. absolutely right that they're somewhere sweet. between a traditional exhibition and a game that actually counts yeah i don't know what you call that but that's where they yeah so it means maybe a little something i'm just to me that could have been the exhibition or that could have been the first really good team michigan state plays yeah in the in the actual season you know sure. i do think they're not going to be great from start to finish the way people are expecting them to be in terms of where they are in the AP pool. But if anybody can get this team to deliver on its potential in March, there aren't many guys on that list. You want ahead of Tom Izzo because I will, the flip side to the underachieving when the expectations are high is that I firmly believe the Michigan State teams that have come up short in the Final Four, outside of that 2009 team that just lost to that ridiculously good North Carolina team, and maybe there was a team or two in there as well, but generally speaking, it's because they didn't have the talent and the firepower to play with the Dukes of the world or whoever it was. Mm-hmm. That will not be the case this year. They might not be the most talented team in the country, but last year's team was able to beat Marquette. Right. And this is a much, those guys are back and hypothetically better, plus all of these ridiculously good freshmen you brought in. It's not very often that Tom Izzo goes into an NCAA tournament with basically a, a level playing field in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. And that's where he's going to be this season. So I, I had to, I, yeah, there are, there are things I don't feel great about, but there are not four teams I feel more confident in getting through the first couple weekends of the NCAA tournament. I'll put it that way. Fair enough. So I've got two teams here that you don't have. Because you have Duke because you have Duke and Purdue. Purdue. Mm-hmm. Along with Michigan State and who was the other one? Or have we not gotten to the other one? I have not revealed my last one yet. So maybe we have one more of the same. That is that is certainly possible. Um I don't have either Duke or Purdue. Would you uh, like to talk about either of those? Wherever you want to, if you want to reveal your next one, if you have thoughts on Duke and Purdue. Um, okay. Uh, Houston. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I think Big 12 all year gets them, you know, we talk about not being being more concerned about Houston winning like the Elite Eight game than the round one, two, or Sweet Sixteen. Yes. Well, they got to the national semifinal, what, in 2021. We've been knocking on the door the last two years. I think they'll be more seasoned, having gone through the Big 12 schedule. The Big 12 doesn't have the same issue that the Big Ten does, where it doesn't seem to matter if you beat up on each other the big 10 always feels like it's going to fall short so i like there are fewer 
there are fewer things I'm more confident in in the entire sport right now than Houston giving themselves a chance to get to the final four. Yes. And maybe that won't be, maybe they'll come up short again. Um, but I think, but I think playing in the big 12 can't do anything but help them in terms of winning a game against a really good team in the second weekend to, to go to the final four. So Houston is my third team. They're about as safe a bet to make the Sweet 16 as there is, yep. which is a really good place to start. Definitely with you on that. And the Final Four is a little bit different because my thing is always, I systematically, I just don't think you can win a national championship playing that way. Unless you find a top 10 offense that can score 75 points when it needs to, and Carson Edwards is on the other end of the floor. Now, maybe LJ Cryer is that guy and this is that and this is that team. But until I see that, because Marcus Sasser was excellent and they still didn't have enough. But the difference between four and six is massive in that sense. That they've shown they can get to a final four. They can sit, like you said, they put themselves in position. And so to me, it's not about those two games as much as it is the final four games. Can you win all of them? Because yeah. sometimes you're going to win in the Elite Eight, sometimes you're going to lose. All you can do is give yourself a chance, which is yeah. why, again, I don't take much at all away from the NCAA tournament because things happen. Yeah. So that's where I I certainly can't disregard it. The, the other thing I'll say is I agree that going to the Big 12 can't hurt them. I'm also just not sure how much it helps. Because to me, it's never been about they don't play anybody and that's why they lose. To me, that's a very lazy narrative. To be clear, I've never I've never offered that narrative. No, no, no. Yeah. And, right. and I say, and I frame it that way because it's not like we're trying to convince ourselves that a team from a mid-major that loses in the round of 32 is all of a sudden going to win two more games and right. get to the final four. Right. Like if it helps them a little bit. Yes that that they're more confident in this one little thing they have in their back pocket because they were able to try it multiple times late yep. in the season rather than just once against Memphis then then that could be the difference. Yes, so oh, 100%. I just think I like it, it's small. There's not that there's not mm -hmm. that much further that they have to go. And I also like I think that Marcus Sasser was spectacular. I think LJ Cryer will be a better offensive player and a a, a guy more like a some of those guys from a couple years ago that are a little bit more explosive because mm -hmm. Sasser also sometimes fell into the, that he wasn't able to rise above the Houston can't score basket tonight. Yes. I think Cryer might be able to. Yeah. There's I'm, I'm at the same spot with this Houston team. I am every Houston team. Absolutely. They can make the final four. I think they're going to be everybody as good as advertised. Something needs to change for me to believe they can win the national championship. Which is why here in about three minutes, I won't pick them to win the national championship, <laughs> right. but I don't have that much trouble putting them in my final no, four. Absolutely not. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to touch on either either of those Purdue or Duke teams? Or both uh, of them. I've got Duke, one I talked team. about the guards and just the, the development part of this. Right. That's my oh, right. both yeah, them yeah, in yeah. Michigan State. Yeah. Purdue. My bad. No, yeah, you're good. Um at some point, it's going to happen. 
I'm going to be really pissed off if they go to the final four this year. And I didn't, and I didn't pick them to go to the final four. I, I just don't. I'll love it, but I'll be upset. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not that. I'm just not that worried. It, yes. I know they've struggled some and they've had a couple bad early exits, obviously, but it's not like they can't win and see a tournament games. And this is what we talked about that they do consistently make the sweet 16. Then you lose to St. Peter's in the sweet 16. So you talk about it differently because they never right. ever should have lost that game. Right. And then you have what happened last season on top of that. And now all of a sudden we're reframing how we feel about Purdue in the NCAA tournament where the question was the same. It was for Gonzaga. Can you get to a final four? Right. It wasn't about Matt Painter, not doing a good job in the NCAA tournament. I'm just not going to overreact to all of it. I, to me, they're probably going to be the number one overall seed. And I'm going to trust that they get there this time. I, I love that. I'm so in on that. <laughs> I'm not going to predict it. It's kind of like, you know, you either have people who keep predicting that Roy's going to win the Masters or they just, they've just they just accepted that when he does, they won't have predicted it. Mm-hmm. I think I might be in that, yes. that, that latter boat with – I'm definitely in that latter boat with Rory. I think I might be in that latter boat with with Matt Painter and the Boilermakers. I would love to be wrong though. Just like I would be I would absolutely love to not to to not be in the boat when Rory wins a Masters because that that means that that he won a Masters. Um so you have one you have one uh mystery team, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, let's play a game. Uh which conference does your mystery team come from? Big East. Perfect. Mine doesn't come from the Big East. Oh. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? You can go first. Um, when Eric Musselman has a top four seed, he goes to <laughs> the Elite Eight. Yeah. I think he's going to have a top four seed. And this is the year he goes to the final four. Um, Interesting. The 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 backcourt that old Musbus has this year, like he's got 11 guys that could be <laughs> that could be the starting point guard on a top 15 team. <laughs> Whether you know we're going Tremont, Mark, L. Ellis, oh, they're they're all over the place. They're all Layden Blocker looked good. Like they are they the Devo Davis, Caleb Battle, Trevon Brazil is back, Makai Mitchell. They are uber athletic. They jump off the page. Um I like there are they got like six guards that I could be like, I like guard play, and they've got these two guys, they've got six of them. So um, I must has shown the ability to get deep in this tournament. Yep. Um, last year was weird. His best player wasn't oh, who, the guy who was supposed to be his best player was just kind of in a weird spot all season in Nick Smith. And he still went to the sweet 16. So I, I was really impressed by Arkansas against Purdue. Uh, they just, ha- I think they have so many guys that want the ball and, I just I think that's that's a really good spot to be in. If Trevon Brazil and Makai Mitchell are both healthy all year, then that's you're not gonna run into very many front courts that are as good as that one. And they also did a really good job on Zach Eady. And front courts that do a really good job on really tall and dominant big guys, I am very intrigued by because you're probably gonna have to beat one of those Donovan Klingons, Hunter Dickinsons. Zach Eadie's Ryan Kalkbrenner's to get to the final four this year. And, and maybe it'll change, but they did a pretty good job with Zach Eadie 
and making it really hard for Purdue to get him the basketball late in that game. And I know we're not taking too much from exhibitions, but like, but fronting the big guy and having athletic enough defenders on the back end of it to, to go up and get like a pass that's too high. Um, it's a pretty good, pretty good spot to start. Um, so Arkansas is my, my fourth and final final four team. You know how I feel about must bust in the NCAA tournament. Hey, all aboard baby. Yeah. I am very, they are a very, very interesting team. That, And part of this is like, it felt weird all year last year. It's not going to feel weird again, right? <laughs> you would think. And every year we go, oh my gosh, look at all of this talent that Muscleman mm-hmm. has acquired. And then it just never comes together in the regular season. Nope. But there they are, the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight, knocking on the door of the Final Four again. Yep. And maybe this is the year where they're actually really good from start to finish. But I also just don't care. Because and maybe they're not good from start to finish. Right. Maybe they're just awesome in March, right, or February fifteenth on. Because as long as they're trending in an upward direction, heading into the tournament, I will be very intrigued, and will probably pick them to win at least two games. Sure. <laughs> so, um, will you go ahead and, and unveil that Butler is going to go to the Final Four? Yeah. <laughs> so this is very strange. Rick Pitino. My team is Creighton. Is it really? Yeah. Nice. I. I picked it last year. Oh, so close to being Oh, right. so close. Yep. Oh, so close. They're probably a little bit better. The rest of the country is probably a little bit worse. Now, this is going to hinge on the defensive thing, because mm-hmm. if they turn into Creighton of years past, I'm jumping off of this. <laughs> but those teams didn't have Ryan Kalkbrenner, so... I'm not assuming that's going to be the case, but if they are that dynamic offensively and they're good enough defensively, to me, they are going to be the hardest team to stop in the Big East. They might not win the most games, but there are things you can do to keep Marquette in check. Mm -hmm. The question for Creighton is, can they win games in which they don't shoot the lights out? And can they be good enough defensively to make sure that it, they can kind of survive. Mm-hmm. And this might be the best combination to date of offensive firepower, offensive versatility, and defense. Whether it leans too far in the offensive direction, we're going to have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to trust that this, rev- this transformation under Greg McDermott into a really good defensive team is going to carry over enough that they have all the pieces. Hey, you don't got to convince me. I feel weird not having that. You're the one with the final four that includes Creighton and I'm not, I feel weird about it, but I also, I I don't not believe any of the things that I said. So there we go. There you go. Can't believe that you're the one. If they go to the final four and they do all of the things that I said that they were going to do, and then they go to the final four and I wasn't, I didn't stick it all the way there. I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be sad. That's why we got to reevaluate around New Year. Yeah. Might have to do some kind of predictions. We'll talk about it. Might have to. Might have to. Um, which of those four teams is going to win the national championship? The Fighting Matt Painters. He did it. I love it. I love it. He's, he's, he's the deep end cannonball, no regards. The Fighting Matt Painters listen, get it done. Listen. Oh, I'm listening. I'm, I, I'm locked in. 
firmly believe in the whole redemption thing Jared. with the right coach. It is not is it too I, perfect, though. I mean, to a the answer is that the answer is that yes, it is too perfect, but it might not matter. <laughs> yeah, because that if both a, of the teams that lost to a number sixteen seed then turned around and won the title the next year, the title. But to me, there's a story there. It's too improv. It's too perfect for it to be perfect. Does that make sense? It's too perfect for that to be an accident. Okay. That, but it's got to be the right coach. Because I talked about this when Virginia won, that Tony Bennett just basically came out there and said, it's embarrassing, it sucks, it doesn't define who we are, we got to regroup, use his motivation, and go again. Mm -hmm. He was able to keep an even keel about the whole thing and not let it seep into his players more than it should. And what are you hearing from Matt Painter this offseason? It's embarrassing, it sucks, we're not changing who we are. Yeah. We're going to go again. It is the exact same story. And if those guards, now there's also the, the part of this that the guards need to be better. Mm-hmm. And the players around need, need to be better. But they don't need to be that much better. And I know I'm, you don't, I don't need to convince you of any of this. You've no, kind you... of convinced me of some of it. Yeah. But I, I do think there is, for coaches that are able to handle it that way, there is an incredible value. And you know, I'm big on the, finding extra determination and boy, are they going to be motivated? I just don't think you can generate the kind of motivation that comes from, unless you're Michael Jordan, that comes from that kind of humiliation. You can't just manufacture it. It has to be something you went through. And the other part of this is what happens if they start shooting the basketball? Well, not just okay, but well, well, if that happens, they're going to win the title, right? If they, if they just, there is a chance that right if they just get the right six game stretch, I think there's a world where they kind of look like UConn last year in the sense of there's just nothing you can do about it. They are just playing too well right now. It mm-hmm. is a cannon or the snowball just rolling down the hill and you can't stop it. I don't. That doesn't need to happen for them to win the national championship. But what if it does? Mm-hmm. Right, there is that op- that chance that everything that went wrong goes right. And this is, again, coming from Matt Painter, what you were talking about with Matt Painter. We don't need to do things differently. We need to just do things better. We just need to make – we need our shooters to make shots. What if they make shots? If we already think they might be the best team in the country, what happens if they are a significantly better shooting team this season? My my only – my only hesitation would be – and and may and I don't remember specifically how we felt about Virginia relative to the previous team. So right, it was Ty Jerome, Kaga, DeAndre Hunter, the Akite was there, Kihei Clark. What were they missing the year before? I guess that was Ke- De- DeAndre Hunter was a freshman. Yeah, he, Kaga he, he was he only read- a sophomore. Yeah. Hunter was the big, if I remember correctly, Hunter was the big, that was the season he took the, because he was hurt. He didn't play in the UMBC game. Right. He did play that season though. He played yeah. 33 games that year. Yeah. But I think he played a small, he had a smaller role, right? Um, It seems that way. Yep. And then he really became the other 
it was all of a sudden, oh, they got another NBA guy on their team. And I'm almost I'm almost positive he didn't play in the UMBC game. Maybe he didn't. I think he I think he got hurt in the ACC tournament. Um, you're right. He did not. Yeah. So that would be my only like what's different about this per because we because I still will tell you that the way that Virginia was structured every year except the one that they won. Like people saying that this we we've proven that you can win a a championship the way no. that that Tony Bennett built all of those other no. teams we didn't prove that no. they were thirtieth in offense that in eighteen yep. they were second yep in nineteen exactly what I said about Houston right same thing right so so I guess that would be my that would be my what's the thing that is just who has the the coming out party? Who has the like? Are the guards that different? Can they handle athletic pressure? Like those, that would be what stops me short. But I also like I wouldn't count out that they are that they are just better because they're a year older. Like I don't, that's not out of the realm of possibility. And and like I said, I don't remember how we were talking about Virginia heading into the next year. And if if it was kind of the same thing of like, well, what's going to be different? Because clearly there were a lot of things that were different. DeAndre Hunter became who he was. Kyle Guy was a was a spectacular player. Ty Jerome was awesome, and they just were a different team. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that's maybe that's where we'll be when we get to the, to March with Purdue. Yeah, I don't remember coming in that off season. I do remember. I had a conversation with our friend Lucas Harkins midway through the year. And I said, Virginia are top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Can you explain to me why? And it was right after they lost to Duke on the road or something. Mm -hmm. And that was like their first loss in a while or something. I said, can you explain to me why this isn't the best team in the country? That was one of the things I do remember. And I think I talked about that on the podcast too, is I feel like there was, at least I was feeling that way. And I think we both generally kind of did that look, the numbers are telling you this team is that good offensively. It just doesn't look like that because they don't play many possessions. Mm -hmm. And the, but I don't, yeah, I don't remember coming into the season. That's a good question. I think probably we were just so talking about how do they bounce back that nobody was actually talking about the team itself. Mm -hmm. But my other answer for, for your question there about Purdue would be Trey Kaufman, right? Okay. To me, he could be the guy that, right. He played last season, but he was a, smaller kind of complimentary piece if he becomes something big time and the guards get a little bit better and they shoot the ball a little bit better to me he could be the guy that has that maybe not quite to deandre hunter because you know they didn't have zach Eady on their team but mm -hmm. he could be the guy that makes that big jump where you go oh that's another big time player for this team that they didn't have last season yeah my only my only hesitation would be is that i just fundamentally am not sure i think that Purdue's best lineup can have Trey Kaufman run in it. And that's it, right. It, it's very interesting to see how Matt Painter wants to utilize him and whether it works. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, I don't really like, I don't really love any of these four teams that are in my final four. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm picking that. What I mean by that is like, I'm having a hard time picturing any four of these teams winning a national championship. I'm not sure why. Um, this is this is the year that the Big Ten ends the streak. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to go with Michigan State. Really? Yes. I am stunned. Who did you think I was going to go with? I, I guess Kansas. This is what I'm saying. I I am I have all of the everything I said I think is true. And but like saying that the Big Ten is going to end the streak also feels like a ridiculous. Okay, I guess that's what you're saying too, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're both um, Big Ten teams. Um, hmm. I should have thought about this more. Because I didn't, I didn't, I just had my final four, so I haven't ma- I let this marinate nearly as, as much. But yeah, um, I'll, I, I will talk myself into Michigan State. You don't have to convince me about how that becomes possible. I already said before, I, I only think Izzo's had two, three teams with enough talent to actually win an NCAA tournament in which some of the best teams in the country survive till the end, right? Mm-hmm. There's always that chance that you play the strange teams and, you know, last season where UConn had to play some good teams, but they didn't have to play maybe, I mean, they did play Texas, they did play Gonzaga, but right. Some things went their way in terms of the scheduling and how it broke down. I think we get to Michigan state having a really scary one through eight. Yeah. And that's oh. how they get to the final four. And that's yep. how they win the national championship yeah. because they just, have they have the combination that they end up being the team with the combination of freshmen and proven college basketball yep. commodities that that Duke is at the top of that list right now. Mm-hmm. It is it is kind of scary to think about the fact that I feel like of of the three freshmen, we're talking about Xavier Booker the least. Mm-hmm. What if he's, you know, excellent and the other two guys are every bit as good as they're expected to be too, right? He, he's not, he's supposed to be the guy in this recruiting class. Right. But because Cohen Carr is doing things that <laughs> defy the laws of physics and Jeremy Fierce has looked really good. Those are, those are the two guys getting the attention. I feel like mm-hmm. it's yeah. To me, this is the, I mean, the, the 2000 team absolutely had the talent. I think that 2019 that lost to that all-time great UNC team had the talent probably, but there just aren't that. I really, I'm a firm believer in that, that eventually they come up against a team that is as well coached as they are and just that little bit more talented. And that's why, because they never, with the exception of that 2000 team and that 2019, they don't get the most talented teams to the final four, as we were talking about, right? When the expectations are there, that's not the season they make it. If they make it with the expectations, I do like their chances of finding a way to win. I'm not sure I love it, but that's what I'm going with. That's the story of all the predictions, right? I hate predictions. <laughs> I hate it so much. You got anything else on the NCAA tournament? Final four? Any no. Other? We should let people know we'll be transitioning to a new format. You're right. We should. What is that new format, Mr. Gore? It Dorn? is called the Under 8. The under eight. What is the under eight, Josh? Well, it is a timeout. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't make that connection. See see what we did there? Yeah. Unbelievable. But it is also. Would you would you like to explain it since it was mostly your idea? I would love to, Josh. The under eight is a daily college basketball podcast. Well, five days a week, weekdays. And the idea is 
in under eight minutes, we'll get you caught up on the three biggest stories in the sport from the previous day, from the weekend, if it's a Monday podcast. But the idea being that whether you have 10 minutes in a commute or all the time in the world that the under eight can fit into your day and get everything you need to know about college basketball that particular day it'll be on youtube it'll be live streamed to youtube and then live on our youtube channel just like uh the long form podcasts do and then will of course be uploaded to wherever you listen to your podcast i'm excited i'm very much looking forward to it yeah appreciate all the hard work you did to kind of lay out this vision so that we can jump into this exciting new era i'm very excited very very excited but that will be the first of those episodes will be streamed monday november 6th and then we will go into four days a week five days a week following that the first podcast of each week will normally be on sunday josh anything else before we get out of here did want to mention just as we were recording bob knight passed away obviously complicated legacy but a prominent figure Maybe that's even doing an understatement in the college basketball, not hierarchy, but history. I guess it's impossible to it's impossible to tell the story of college basketball without talking right. about the legacy of Bob Knight. So that's a, that's a much more concise, accurate way to say it. Yeah. So condolences to obviously all of those close to him, mm-hmm. and we lost a legend. It's simple as that. Complicated man, but a legend nonetheless. That's all we've got for you. Please subscribe to the Jay's Race Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and be on the lookout for the Under 8 podcast starting next week. We're very much excited for that and for the college basketball season in general. So thank you so much for following along this offseason. Previews, all the support on those. uh, have It's been incredible, and we can't wait for the season to start. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh, he's Josh, and we will see you later.